Blog Talk Radio. Security, condition three. Thank you. Security three, sir. Zero quarters three. Intruder alert. GQ three. Intruder alert. Well, you're going to think, you're going to think transporter and intruder alert, but in a good way, in a good way. Hi, welcome again once to Madam Perry Salon. I am your hostess and your cruise director, Jennifer Perry, or Madam Perry, or on uh, in Britain, Jennifer Maudette Perry, or J-Mod, but whatever. You can call me Jen. I just am happy that you're here, and I love you, and I want to say, uh, if you're listening tonight, which is March 21st, if you're listening live on the Blog Talk Radio link, they'll see a I think it's a hot pink or a fuchsia-colored rectangle with the words follow in white. And if you see that and you haven't done so yet, would you please be so kind as to click on that and follow the show? Because the more followers I have, the more I can continue to get the fantastic guests that we've had recently, the fantastic guests we've got coming up, as well as the cool guy I've got here tonight. Um, anyway, and it helps me to get sponsors, too, so I can keep bringing this. Because let me tell you, podcasting... Um, you know, a lot of people listen to podcasts on the weekends. I do too. But lately, and I think especially since I went and did my presentation on uh, um, harnessing um, wireless telegraphy for entertainment or how to start a podcast at the Wild Wild West Con Steampunk uh, Festival, um, ever since then, the numbers have just been up and steady up, not like up and down for a few, up, it's been steady up, you know, uh, hundreds of thousands of people listening a day, and thank you, thank you so much, and I hope to continue to make you want to keep listening and subscribing on Apple iTunes, Stitcher. Uh, Monday night we had, uh, um, oh, wait a minute, you know what, you've asked me about her, I hear people ask me all the time, they go, what's going on with Kenya, what's going on with Kenya, you know my BFF Kenya, Athelma and my Louise, uh, the Gail to my Oprah, um, the, uh, <laughs> I like that family and Louise, the apple to your Lucy, <laughs> apple to her Lucy, and God knows she's lived to regret a lot of my, a lot of my ideas, <laughs> never, and yet never. I still got her somehow, yes, I'm I always, always her, you know, you always know you you may know her as the host of uh of uh uh <laughs> everything relationships yeah everything relations with Kenya Colbert and but everybody knows her as my BFF the Queen Diva for real Kenya Colbert Kenya welcome to Madam Perry Salon and thank you for riding shotgun with me and co-hosting always ready to shotgun yes hello guys how are you doing i missed everybody i haven't been here in a while wow well everybody's everybody's missed you and that's why i'm so glad that you were able to co-host tonight because with your shows on hiatus a lot of people have missed you and they ask everybody ask me about you and so i said okay i'm gonna i'm gonna bring you miss kenya i'm gonna bring her so that you can um um they can enjoy you again and get you back on the airwaves again soon. But before we get into the show, you know, there's been a lot happening with you lately, Miss Kenya. And uh, since people, since you've been on the air uh, last, you became an ordained minister. I am. I'm a wedding officiant. Yes, I'm marrying people. <laughs> so, you know, everything for me is all about relationships. Everything I do is about relationships and how to strengthen them and how to um, just be better people inside of ourselves so that we can be better people with others. So, yeah, I became a wedding officiant, and I actually have a wedding this Sunday. I'm excited about that. And I'm trying to, as you mentioned, I'm revamping everything relationships. 
and and trying to get it back out stronger and better and and man, we carried that thing for years just like that. And it was time for an overhaul, so I'm overhauling. So thank you. Okay. And tell us about and what is Love Wins? I've been, I've been saying that all over Facebook. Oh uh, yeah, so that's a new part of the of the new show that's coming up. Love wins win. So that's going to be a little trick on word, a little play on words there. Love wins win, and on the show we'll discuss when love is actually winning. Instead of always focusing on you know the downside of life. You know me, I'm always trying to find that silver lining, and I think I found a great way to incorporate it into the new show. <laughs> yeah, in fact, last night I was talking to tonight's guest, and I was saying to him, I said, Kenya and I, I don't know why we're such good friends, we're so opposite, and, and I don't know if you've seen this video, but I shared it. Somebody put it on Facebook, and I shared it, and it's these two little dogs riding in the car, little cute little dog. well, one's cute and fluffy and looking out the window, looking like, oh, look out there, and the other one raises its head up and looks kind of, you know, like it's slept too hard. It has a sad look. Like, oh, no. It lays back down. And I said, that Kenya, this is me and you on a road trip. <laughs> You're the cheerful one. <laughs> I'm up early drinking coffee, and you look at me like, ah, get out of here. <laughs> You're opening the windows. I go, isn't that illegal at this time of day? Don't do that. <laughs> oh, yeah. We have great road right. trips, though. Definitely. Well, yeah. Well, just wait, just wait, folks. You know, we've been we've been teasing you and threatening you and promising you, but you know, we have not abandoned our our uh, plan of having a, uh, a tour bus road trip of our favorite guests and authors. And so, uh, soon as somebody oh, yeah. praises us up a tour bus or gives us one, um, we'll have to. Get, and we want one of those country western star type ones, don't we, Kenya? Because they're like a rolling hotel anyway. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Oh, we want the one that somebody like Winona uses. Yeah, yeah. We oh, have it'd be a good time. It'd be worth it. And people, you can ride on the Jennifer and Kenya tour bus uh, extravaganza. Perfect. And um, so don't don't worry about. It. You know, people keep. I keep saying things about destination retreats and spending a few thousand dollars to go with somebody to sit and exercise and breathe and write in a journal. This will be much mm-hmm. better than that. I don't know what we'll do. You don't know. This will be the. All we know is this will be the best ten grand they ever spent, won't it? Oh my God! Yes, for ten thousand dollars, I'll give you a lot. <laughs> I'll give you your money's worth. <laughs> yes, we will. See, Kenya, we gotta let him, we gotta let them know this is a this is a high value thing. Well, let's let's get to the um to the guest tonight's guest. Now, Kenya, you love science fiction. I grew up reading a lot of science fiction too and loving yes. it. My guest tonight is one of the superstars of science fiction and fantasy, and uh. His, he's got eight novels out now. His most recent, The Woman of the Woods Ooh. and Amber in the Hidden City. He's the co-editor of four anthologies. Um, and wow. And his books he's written with other people. And even a, can you, you know, you heard me talk about going to steampunk thing, you know, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. recently at Wild Wild West Con. Well, he has written the, uh, he is well, part of the Steam Funk anthology. <laughs> Kenya, I like Kenya, it. Who, lo- who loves funk music? Who loves funk more than you? <laughs> That's right. Hey, I, like I have the P-Funk all-star you. keyboard player. Remember, Doug, my keyboard he guy did. that goes with P-Funk? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, so, uh, oh, yeah. Maybe we'll take him, too. But anyway, okay. so... so Let's just go ahead and welcome him in, Kenya. If you don't mind, just kind of uh, open up the beaded curtains over there and uh, and let's, let's fluff him up a nice cushion in between us so we can talk to him. Come on, and come on in, Mr. Milton Davis. Come on into the teeny bottle. Hey. <laughs> hey, how y'all doing? <laughs> We're doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I think one of those beads hit me in the eye when I was coming through the curtain. That I did. <laughs> oh, no. Oh no! I, yeah, you have to learn to stop quick. <laughs> well, if he says anything about using the L word, you know, lawsuit, I think we better pack up and get out of this <laughs> and get, get the hell out of Alpha Centauri, okay? <laughs> 
Yeah, no, then just duck the next time. They kind of swing back fast. So just duck a little bit. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm doing good. How are y'all doing? We're doing good. We're doing great. We're so happy to have you here. This is so exciting. We wanted to start off talking about, I mean, you, from what I understand, what people tell me and the things I find, you're a rather prolific author. It's like once you got started, you were just, you know, this stuff is just, this is what you were just born to do. I mean, I know you have a profession um, as a, uh, did you say a chemist? Yeah, I'm a chemist. And I'm going to, and I'm going to, I know, Kenya, and I'm going to, ask you too how that plays in it but but were you always like Kenya and I were you always a science fiction fan as a kid now that's that's the funny thing about it when um I didn't really start reading science fiction until I was in college and it was all it was all part of a diabolical plan by my um English instructor (laughs) 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 I I, um I was more more of a non-fiction reader and stuff like that and um when I got to college, um, and, I, and I would write. I was I had a little bit of a talent to write, and I wrote I wrote a couple of essays. And my English instructor, her name was Anna Holloway, and we're actually Facebook friends now. She uh, called me to her office one day and asked me. She said, "Well, um, you shouldn't be a chemistry major. You should be an English major. You should be writing." And, wow. and I told her, I said, "And I said we've well, done it off and on over the years." And I said, "But writers don't make any money, so I'm going to be a chemist." <laughs> I can make I can make millions and millions of dollars creating all these inventions. Uh, so yeah. at, the, at the time I didn't realize that was far from the truth. But uh, so what oh. she did was um, <laughs> she started introducing me to science fiction, basically. She, um, you know, the classic, you know, Isaac Asimov, Arthur C. Clarke, mm-hmm. uh, Delaney, and people like that. And I started reading, and I was like, hey, you know, this stuff is pretty cool. And then she said, "Well, you know, you ought to try writing some of it. You know, see, you know, see if you can do a little bit of it." So I started playing around writing short stories and stuff, and she would read them and stuff like that. You know, so that's kind of how I got into it. And um, I played around with it for a while, and um, got married, and said, "Okay, I'm gonna get serious about this thing." I took some classes, and then life got in the way, and you know, I stepped away from it for a while, and. Then about 10 years later in the 90s, I started doing some research, and that's when I kind of went on my, I call my African Renaissance. That's when I really started researching African history and culture. And I got yeah. inspired to write mm-hmm. again, but I didn't, but I kind of dropped off of it. And it wasn't until uh, things like 2005, around that time, when I said, look, you know, um, if you're going to do this, you might as well do it now. And that's when I started writing, and I decided I wanted to self-publish because I had done some research on the industry, and I felt like the stories I was writing would, would not would probably not be accepted by publishers. And I also mm-hmm. kind of wanted to do it on my own anyway, so that's when I started doing my writing, and about 2008 was when I started publishing. And the reason there's been so many books is because there's been so much stuff building up over the years, and I finally get a chance to get it out. So that's where all that comes from. <laughs> Wow, I'm impressed. <laughs> but, yeah, what well, you did, and um, and, and that's true. Yeah, that's going on. I guess maybe you have these stories uh, still in your mind. Um, right, I'm sorry. I lost you a little bit. There. Yeah. Yeah, I okay. thought I lost you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you did. Uh, sorry. Um, but um, I, I can imagine, though, until you started writing, surely these stories started off as, as ideas and, and ex- just started to germinate in your mind, situations and things. Yeah, one of one of the stories, that series, I just actually finished that series um, last year, um, was one of the first ideas I came up with when I was in college. And it just kept, it's called a uh, Changa Safari. And mm-hmm. it kind of evolved. Mm-hmm. It evolved over the years and over the years, and so I was finally able to start writing it when I first started writing. So it was kind of uh, satisfying when I finally in- ended the series because it was something that had been around for, I guess, basically like 30 years. And um, wow. so to be, to be finally able to tell the story the way I wanted to tell it and wrap it up was, you know, was a uh, was a personal accomplishment, you know. But, yeah, the stories have been around for a while. And when I started writing, you know, I started being introduced to different things and came up with new ideals, and so it just – most writers have more ideals than they have opportunities to write them. Um, the good thing about being self-published is that, you know, 
You don't have to worry about getting rejections. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, that's, 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 that's why you're prolific, because there's nobody to tell you you can't do that. You know, you just, you just, you just to put out there, you know? I love that idea. <laughs> so, so, can I ask you a question? Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Jennifer. Sorry. No, girl, go ahead. Can you? I was just wondering, so okay. you said that, um, Milton, you said that you were, you went back and then you decided to start doing more studies on African, um, your lineage. And so how did that turn into this, this um, sci-fi, this whole, this different, what made you take it that way? Like, cause I think well, that's really cool. <laughs> well, in the, in the, you know, in the, in the 90s, I say that's when I decided I needed to know as much about African history as I knew about European history. And yes. when I started doing when I started doing the research, that's what really got my passion going because I've been writing stuff for a while and sending stuff out. And you know, as you're a writer, you go from getting what we call form rejections, where they just see it as Xerox piece people piece of paper saying thank you for sending us stuff, but we don't like it. And you get uh, to the point where, to the point where, um, I mean, that's, right, to the point where you have uh, editors actually reading your stuff, and they're answering you personally, saying, "Hey, you know, we read your story, we liked it, uh, not exactly what we're looking for." And I, and I had, I had worked my way up to that point, but um, so I felt like sooner or later somebody's going to publish my work. But when I started reading um, African history, that's when I really found the passion. I said, I want to write stuff that's going to. Um, include this history and include this this culture these, these different cultures and stuff and uh yeah. and so when i decided to publish i wanted to incorporate that because there were people like me that i knew out there that were um reading science fiction and fantasy and they weren't seeing us in it or exactly. when they did, but when they did see us it was a lot of times in an unfavorable light and so i wanted to write the kind of science fiction and fantasy stories that i that i would want to read and so that's what started everything. That what started me doing what I'm doing now is just to make sure that to write stories that, if I was a young boy or the kind of stories I would have wanted to see on the show. So that's why I do it. Yeah. I do. Excellent. Love it. Love it. Love it. My parents have got to um, get your books. I'm going to send them your books because they are the ultimate. Um, sci-fi, they love everything, I'm telling you, everything, everything to do with with anything that's out of this world. <laughs> they love it. Come on, we got, a few, yeah, we got a few things for them. They do. <laughs> they're, yeah, they're, they're, they're both big readers, and they love sci-fi, and, and our parents are, I mean, if they, and if they like your books, they'll tell everybody to get them. <laughs> Everybody yeah. that they know, and I, and I got a feeling that they, yeah, they will. Well, what she, you know, what Kenya asked you was kind of what I wanted to ask you, except for, um, oh. I think it sounded more intelligent coming from you, Kenya. Uh, but yeah, so we, it was just about you know the African going through African Renaissance. Did you did you go to Africa? That's the one thing that I haven't done yet. Uh, I haven't been able to go to the continent. Um, it's on my to do list. The closest the closest I came to it was I actually have a nephew who um went to work in Ghana for about a year and a half. And uh he he enjoyed it so much that he ended up staying um on the continent for a few years. He actually went to different countries. He uh, he um he visited uh Rwanda and Uganda, he was in uh the Congo wow. and South Africa and Ethiopia and Zanzibar. He just went to all the different places that I always wanted to go. And he would send me pictures back, and, and we sit there and talk about it. Like, how was this? You know, how was this stuff like that? Because you know, I'm trying. I was kind of comparing it to the research I had done and stuff like that. You know, so um, that's that's as close as I've come to it. But it is something that I do plan to do in the in the near future, because because it, it will kind of like it would complete the circle. Plus, you know, as, mm-hmm. a, a person, as a person of African descent, you know, to me. Um, it would be a it would be a significant trip to take, you know, to be able to go back and I just we just started I just started recently doing my uh, um, well my sisters have been doing the ancestry DNA thing and my and I just, sister uh-huh. too <laughs> yeah I just sent for my uh, my kit because my my youngest sister has really been d- delving into it and 
it seems like the largest percentage of our family is from the um the Cameroon area. So um mm. it would be interesting to, you know, go back and, and visit that country and uh and just kinda of see, you know, just get a, get get that um that first hand knowledge. Definitely. When, yeah, my husband spent much, much, much time in Africa whenever he'd go like three or four months at a time with his, his job. Um, but mostly like on the uh, uh, um, Ivory Coast, you know, Guinea Conakry and some um, other places. He did bring me back some mm-hmm. beads that were blessed by a shaman from uh, uh, Senegal. And I figure if um, things go crazier in this country, that could be mine and many people's um, primary health care provider is mine. Beach for the shaman. I need somebody. I'm gonna need my own. It's sort of like joking, not joking. Okay, but you. Um. Oh, and before I forget to before I forget. Um. Well, no, I'll write it down so I want. Uh, you. Now we talk. You know putting out information about you or articles about you, and um, I'm looking at one in Scottish Independent Press uh, about you. You know, people talk about, um, uh, you know, you write science fiction, uh, fantasy, futuristic, but then this other term, this, this a fairly new term that's out um, is being attributed to you, uh, I think partly because of the popular movie Black Panther, and it's called Afrofuturism. So what does that mean? Because I think you, you know, yeah, you didn't seem to use it as much as other people use it about you. Yeah, Af- Afrofuturism is um, has become the uh, the go-to term to describe, you know, what I write and what a, a lot of other um, black science fiction writers um, create right now. It's kind of like the blanket term to um, cover what we call the, uh, the black fantastic. It's, it's usually referred to science fiction, fantasy, um uh, paranormal, anything, you know, speculative fiction, yeah. steampunk, um, sword and soul, different things like that. Um, the term was uh, first coined in the um, 90s uh, by a researcher who was kind of trying to describe um, some of the stuff that was being done by some of the black um, creative artists like Sun Ra and um, Parliament Funkadelic and people like that that were basically taking science fiction and incorporating it into their work but giving it a um, – uh, Afrocentric centric spin, you know, incorporating different elements from mm-hmm. African culture and African American culture. So um, they came up with the term Afrofuturism to kind of describe what that kind of that type of creativity. Um, so now, you know, um, the term is being kind of revived to 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 uh, to, to represent what we're doing liter- liter- from a literary standpoint because the Afrofuturism movement wasn't really that much literary as it was more visual and, and music musical. But um mm-hmm. now you got people you know, now you got people saying, you know, that um Octavia Butler, what she was doing was uh Afrofuturism. Um at the time she was writing it, she just considered it science fiction. Um, you know, and most of us that write in that in that area um consider what we do is whatever subgenre we call it. But there is a particular um type of writing that kind of falls under that Afrofuturism term, which has kind of associated itself with that, and that's a lot of people who are writing the science fiction and fantasy now, black people, and they're incorporating um, a lot of aspects of the social conscious movement into their science fiction. And um, that's cool. That's yeah, cool. You have, you have a lot of the new writers. You have people like um, N.K. Jemison and um, uh, this new sister. I just can't remember her name. She just she just got a uh, seven a seven figure deal for her book of, of blood and bone. Mm. And, um, and a lot of these young, a lot of younger writers are, are kind of in, including this into it. And even, you can even say um, uh, black Panther would be a, a, an example of Afrofuturism because although it does, it does find its foundation in, you know, African culture. Um, some of the things that it talks about in the movie are issues mm-hmm. that are relevant to African-Americans and Africans and their relationships with each other and stuff like that, you know. So, definitely, um, definitely. Yeah. So, you know, people... You're talking right about now, Children of Blood and Bone? Yeah, Children of Blood and Bone. That's the book. That's the book, yeah. Uh, Tony, uh, wow. Yeah, the young, the, the, yeah, she uh, had a, she had a seven-figure deal for a movie before the, before the book even came out. Um, because she was 
she was part of a, a, a pitch fest, and she pitched the book, and they, and agents liked it, and everybody liked it, and said, hey, you know, we like this, let's run with it. So, um, it's a writer's dream, basically. <laughs> it, no, oh, yeah, no is. kidding. The Milton, what motivates no, no, you to write, though? Like, what, what inspires when you're about to start working on something? Is it the, is it the cause, or you know, like, do you have a mission that you, like, where do you start when you're trying to create <laughs> this science fiction kind of? Is it a problem, and then you figure out how to solve it? Because that's what I would do. I would say, what is the major issue, and then how can we solve it? <laughs> <laughs> you know the 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 um the inspirations come from so many different directions. You know the only thing that's constant in my stories is that I I, I always write with black main characters, and I always okay. take a positive a positive um spin toward all the stories that I write. Um, I'm trying cool. to you know I'm writing about heroes and I'm not you know and that kind of thing. But the idea heroines from too. Yeah, her- heroines and heroes. Yeah. I have. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I, have, um, yeah I, I, um, I don't. You know, I write. Um, my characters come to me, and and there's no really no rhymes, rhyme or reason to it. You know, I've got uh, like yeah. Chandra Safari, which is a a black male character, and I have Woman of the Woods, which is a black female character, and um, of course there's Amber, who's a a 13 year old African American girl. Um, it's just whatever. However, the story comes, or whatever character I think fits the story best, you know that's the way I go. Um, the the ideals come from all over the place. Sometimes they come from music. Um, I might hear a particular song, and that song may speak to me in a certain way, and I may see a certain story in the in the words. Matter of fact, I just wrote a story that was in um, a, a steampunk um, collection, which was based on the um, was inspired by the song by War, "Slipping in the Darkness," and. Um, mm-hmm. The, and art, sometimes I'll see a piece of artwork, and that art may, I may see a story in it. You know, I look at that, the person in the, in the, in the uh, picture, and I say, man, you know, what is that person thinking about? You know, what's that situation? And, and a story may come out of it. So, you know, it comes wow. you know, It comes from different areas. That's one of the hardest questions, I think, for a writer to answer. And sometimes it does come is, from an issue. It may be an issue that you rem, that um, really concerns you. And you may say, yeah. I want to write a story that kind of uh, talks about this issue in a fictional context, or I want to solve this issue exactly. in my story, yeah. that kind of thing. You know, bring this issue up and then try to provide a solution to it. So it can be a number of different mm-hmm. things. Let me just cool. stop and say one second here. If you're listening live to us tonight and you want to talk with Milton Davis, the number is 646-716-9922. Again, 646 646- Seven one six nine nine two two toll free in the continental U.S. Or you can just send me a message uh, to the messenger on Facebook, and I'll be happy to ask him uh, whatever question you have. Um, and so I'll tell you what I like is the fact that you also have you were talking about uh, stories for young people and young women, yeah, where that's... you know people want to see themselves in a book. Exactly. That's that's the biggest um, weakness I think we have as um, as black writers is that um, in writing speculative fiction that there's an audience of young people out there, young women and young men, who are looking for stories that that um, represent them or that where the characters look like them. And um, actually, um, Amber came from actually something that my wife, who's a, who's a teacher. Um, she says, you need to write something for young kids. And I said, well, yeah, yeah, I want to, but I just didn't want to just sit down and write it. I'd have, I'd have to be, there'd have to be an idea that came to me that I was passionate about that I wanted to write it. So for a while, you know, she was talking to me, you need to write something for young kids. I was like, okay, I'll, I'll do it, I'll do it. And then um, that story came to me, and it came out of a, a, a I guess it came out of a situation because I wanted to write a story that showed um, the connection between Africans and African Americans, and mm-hmm. um, and I wanted to sh- I wanted to show you know the similarities, the differences, some of the tensions and stuff like that, and mm-hmm. that's where that story kind of came from. Even even though it's a young adult story, and it's a light story, and you can have fun with it and stuff like that, you also see some of those elements in the in the story, and um, and I was I was actually proud of the fact that once I got the book done, um, I had um, a writer 
um, from Zambia who read the book. Mm-hmm. And she noticed and caught all the things that I had worked into the story. <laughs> and because oh. it was like, that's that's what I was wow. that's what I was trying to do, you know. So it was kind of nice to see that that uh, people from um, from African Americans and Africans were reading stories. And well, actually, she was from Malawi, and there was another young writer from uh, Zambia who read the story, and they were all kind of seeing, you know, the things that were worked into the story and stuff like that, you know. So. Messaging, well, wow. that's a message, a message. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the first and foremost, how does that make you feel that your books are going that far to people? It's it's, it's actually great. <laughs> I mean, yeah. um, it's, it's, the, the technology today makes it possible. The fact that you can do an ebook and people from anywhere in the world can buy your books and stuff. And you know, if it was ten, twenty years ago, that wouldn't be possible. You'd be restricted to a certain audience. But now, you know, I've got mm-hmm. people reading my books in, in Australia and in India and in Germany and stuff like that, you know, and it's nice to know that, you know, people are able to access it and that these people are all finding something about those stories that, you know, that resonates with them and connects with them and uh, and they're enjoying them and stuff. So um, it's really been, a, especially I've been um, interesting enough, my um, steampunk books have been very popular in Brazil. And, wow. Um, yeah, it's been a... <laughs> You know, you know that is so cool. It's funny when you find out where your books are selling and stuff. You know, you know, it's usually not for the reasons you suspect, but right. <laughs> People find their own interpretations. You know, so. I was just now, thinking what you, that. Now, what do you mean by that? Not for the reasons you suspect. What do you mean? Well, it's, it's you know, it's it's so funny because uh, we talk about that sometimes as, as writers because uh, I, I was having a conversation with with Charles Saunders and, and Charles is like the creator of Sword and Soul. He he wrote a um he created a character called Amaro back in the late seventies, which is um mm-hmm. he he describes as a black Conan. And he's oh, very okay. popular he's very popular in Sword and Soul circles. Uh the people who know him they put him on the same level of Robert E. Howard who created uh Conan. And uh, wow. I, I met him I met him by chance when I first began publishing. We had a mutual friend and we talked about the fact that we both ended up you know, writing uh, almost about the same subject from the same inspirations and, you know, him doing it like 20 years before I did and me doing it not even knowing about his stories and stuff. But to make a long story short, he was talking about a review that somebody had written about one of his books. And the guy was going into detail about what the story meant and all this kind of stuff. And Charles was like, yeah, he was talking about this and talking about that. He said, you know, um, actually – Actually, I wasn't thinking about any of that stuff. Exactly. I knew you were going to say that. I knew you were going to say that. He said, but it was, but it was kind of cool. That he, that's, that's what he got out of the story. So people, it really is. Yeah, people bring their own, um, I think they bring their own experiences to every story. And, and, what, and different things resonate to them in those stories. And and sometimes you know you you you'll hear that person talk about it and you'll go back and say okay yeah I see how they could see that in the story I can see what exactly. they got exactly even though it was something that you may not consciously have been thinking about you know so you know that is sort of like when you hear a song and somebody writes a song and they wrote it a certain way but at the moment that you hear it that might not be what you get from it. Like exactly. you picked up on a whole nother side of it, and then when you start talking about it, you're like you know what? That's a wow! Yeah, Thank you. It. You showed that's me something else. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> it. You know, and sometimes they make you question yourself. Like, well, was that really what I was writing about? <laughs> <laughs> was I subconsciously? Was I actually thinking this when I wrote this story? That kind of thing. You know, exactly. so. <laughs> But interpretation, I love that though. It's like art. It really is that interpretation. It's like when I I'm, I'm reading a book sometimes, and the person that they might think is the is the hero might not be the hero to me. I see something else in another character, and I'm mm-hmm. like, I, I see that one as being the. But I really see that you wrote more into this first, even the things that are unsaid sometimes. Exactly. Leave see, that, your that, imagination. <laughs> yeah, that happens to me a lot. I wrote a story about a, a character. Um, and it was about actually it was one of my one of my sword and soul stories where uh, it's a, a husband and wife team uh, that 
were mercenaries, and they settled down into this city. And um, the wife met an old boyfriend of hers who was a mercenary as well. And he was talking about he was in town because there was this one guy who was going to be paying a lot of money for this trip, this adventure that he wanted to go on. And she started having these old stirrings about, man, it's been a long time since I've been on an adventure. I'm settled down. And so uh, her husband, you know, she, she talked about it. And her husband says, look, you know, if you want to do this, go ahead and do it. You know, you know, yeah, I know it's in you. Um, you want to go on this last adventure, so go. But the, the funny thing about it was that the, the, the story was about her. But the character, the guy who she met, um, everybody who read the story is like, you know, yeah, I really like Kadira. I like the story. But this guy, Omari, I really like him. He was, you know, he was something else. <laughs> so, and I'm like, everybody's liking Omari, and the story's not about Omari. What's going on? So I actually ended up writing a story about Omari because of that. There you go. And, there you and go. And um, it actually ended up becoming a popular series. About, I've written about three stories about him now, and everybody likes him because, oh, he, you know, you know, so it's kind of funny how, you know, like you say, you write a story about one particular character, but, but there'll be another character in there, a secondary character that mm-hmm. other people will relate to, and and end up and you end up developing a whole other world around that character. Exactly. Okay, I love now that. that's got to be a good feeling. Well, it is. You know, you know, writers are, writers are selfish. We write for ourselves first. You know, we, <laughs> when we, when we sit down and write a story. We're not really thinking about anybody else. We're thinking about this is what I want to see and this is what I want to write about. And then you basically go out and try to find people that feel the same the same way you do about it. Um, but it it always wow. it, it, does, it, is, it is a good feeling that people you know can can connect with what you're writing about, especially when they see the story the same way you see it. Um, and that's when you really feel good about it. Say, okay, this is what I was trying to say, or this is what I was trying to talk about, and and the fact that people connected with it. Like even when we write, part of the reason that I write stuff based on African culture and history is because I want people to learn about it, and I want people to be interested in. It. And when you're trying to tell somebody about a country or historical dates and stuff, their eyes glaze over. But if you connect it with a character that they like, then all yeah. of a sudden, you know. You're not learning about the Swahili city states because you have to learn about it. You're learning about it because that's where Changa lives, and you yeah, like Changa, so, yeah. so you, so you want to know about what Changa is doing and stuff, you know. So um, I actually had a guy who read um, Changa Safari um, in Australia, and he sent me an email because he said he he had no idea about that history, about that culture mm. in, in East Africa until he read Changa. He read the book and said, is this true? Let me go research it. And he researched it, and he found all this information. And, and that's what, to me, that's what fiction does, and it, that's what fiction can do. You know, it can enlighten yeah. people about certain areas and subjects mm-hmm. and situations that they would normally be, would have no interest in. But because they read it in this story and they connected with that character, now they want to know something about it, you know. And can I say one thing about that? Okay, so since you mentioned that, it's great when you have these these true, you know, this that's a real place. But that was the problem, or not the problem, but an issue with Black Panther. Everybody was so caught up in Wakanda, and there's really not a Wakanda out there. So it's yes, like you. we really, people were like, love the story. I love the movie, absolutely loved it. But I was just so amazed at how many people wanted to move to Wakanda. Well, when you look at it from a uh, from an African American standpoint, it would be a nice place to be. The thing that it I like about the movie. <laughs> The thing I liked about the movie so much is because when I, when I was watching, I had to make myself be quiet because I was seeing all the different um, cultural references. It's the same kind of stuff oh. that, you know, I said it as I was doing it. And my wife's sitting there next to me, and I wanted to look over and say, hey, you see that building right there? They got that from this. You see that that, that outfit right there? They got that from that. And I said, no, let me be quiet because I'm going to ruin this whole movie for you. <laughs> and, and, and then I had and then I had friends of mine saying, you know, hey, man, you know, um, I went to that movie, and all I did was I was thinking about your books because, you know, yeah. I read your books, and it's kind of similar to that. And, and I was I was telling um, my cousin, one of my cousins, he made me laugh. He said, man, I went to see I went to see uh, Black Panther, and I think they owe you some money. <laughs> <laughs> and I said... And I said, no, that when you when you research the same, when you have the same sources that you research, That's you're going right. to come up with similar things. Because there's certain things about African history throughout the continent in different cultures that just kind of stand out. 
and That's and those right. are the ones that you end up focusing on to use as a source and stuff. So you know. Right. I have to like, well, I can't comments. wait to read your work. Oh, honey, I know well, we're going to be, yeah, we're going to be, you have to have a good tour bus driver while we're reading all of Bill's <laughs> books. So if you want to call in the number, 646-716-9922, or you can message up to me a question, and I've got a couple of comments or questions being messaged in. But I want to say, first of all, um, you were mentioned, two things real quick for people to check out. You were mentioned in a, uh, a couple of, uh, well, a lot of places, but um, let's see, uh, two days ago, two or three days ago, in the BillyPen.com site, Alex Smith has a feature. If you love Black Panther, these eight works extend the Afrofuturist thrill. And uh, the works that he listed, Alex Smith listed, were not all books. Some of it was music, Sun Ra, A Joyful Noise, mm-hmm. uh, Seize the Time, Bobby Seale, which of course, uh, Bobby Seale with the Black Panther Party being a, uh, 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 this is true, this is not fiction, yeah. it's probably more of a memoir, mm-hmm. a more like a historical memoir, really. Um, and other things, and then, uh, and of course, in there he had, uh, oh, and other music too, but also he put in The City by Milton J. Davis and says, uh, uh, Milton J. Milton Davis, who co curates with, um, please pronounce the name for me the first time. His name is uh, Balogun Bal- Ojitade. Balogun yeah. Ojitade, the seminal yeah. F. B group of yep. Plate of Black Science Fiction coined the phrase cyberfunk. Um, but they said the city is the culmination of the, of the vision of semi-experimental anthology that weaves 18 semi-connected stories from 18 different writers. Uh, many share the high-minded tech wizardry and philosophical nuances of Black Panther and The Matrix. It's a powerful work that pulses with, vibrates with a lucid clarity. So that was a short list of eight items out of everything that's there, and, and of course you're on there. And the other thing is that uh, you also have a nomination from uh, a British group right now, don't you, for an award? Yeah, I was... I was nominated in, in the long in the long list for the uh, um, short short fiction award for the from the British Science Fiction Association. Um, I was in part of a, my story was in a, a, a anthology called Steampunk Writers Around the World, and oh, I submitted cool. a story. Um, I submitted a story based on an African steam a steampunk story called The Swarm, and it was one of the uh, nominees. I didn't I didn't make the short list, but it was kind of neat to be nominated for in the long list. Of, oh gosh, yeah. And there were there were a number of other writers from the um, anthology that that got no, that not, got nominated as well as well. So the publisher was very happy about that. Good <laughs> so, yeah. job. But the, the the city was a um, the city was a great project because it was um it was I, I call it uh it was it was a black spectral fiction jazz project because it, it came from me uh, I made a statement on a group we have called the State of Black Science Fiction and just kind of like throwing this concept out. And I um, posted up some images to go along with the concept. And then all of a sudden, all these other writers started to, you know, chime in with their own interpretations of the concept and, and adding photos to it. So we were just doing this for like two or three days. And finally, we just I said, look, guys, we need to make an anthology out of this. Because the main thing was, what is, what is the city? What, what's, what's the city all about? So we started putting the stories together, and what was really neat, one of the um, people who was who, who was looking at the thing was a uh, was a brother from uh, England, and he was a, he was a, D, a DJ and a composer. So he actually started composing music to go along with the different ideas that we were coming up with. So we had all this stuff rolling together and stuff. So that's basically where it came from. It's, it's based on a concept where these people are living in this um, city, and they don't know how they got there. Um, mm-hmm. They don't know who they don't know who controls the city. Um, they're all connected by their version of the internet, which is called the wave. But instead of mm-hmm. you, know, you have instead of you having to log into the internet, you actually log into a part of your brain, which is a part that you were born with. And so you're always connected. You're never not connected. And, oh, um, and, oh my god! Oh, and, and things, happen, oh. things happen in the city that, that can't be explained. You know, buildings may collapse, and the next day they're back up. And nobody knows Whoa. who did the work, that kind of stuff like that. So, so, wow. the, so the, the stories all take place in this mysterious city, and and you know, and you have you have to be careful because if you um, if you defy or go against the city, 
um, these uh, things called watches will show up, and they'll take you oh, away. Oh, my. So, Have you so, heard, Milton, do you know the podcast Welcome to Night Vale? Yeah, my uh, daughter is a big fan of Night Vale. <laughs> She's a huge fan of Night Vale. <laughs> big fan of Night Vale. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So if you, so folks, I think if you love that, I think his, I think his daughter will tell you that if you, uh, uh, Alana, what's her name? Alana will tell you yes, if you like Alana, Welcome to yes. Night Vale, you'll like. <laughs> yeah. like, like wow. wow. Yeah, but it's a cool, so cool. concept. Well, I've got some. Go ahead. I've got a question for you here, uh, or some comments from. Um, and this is from Duffy Odom in Adele, Georgia, and he is—he's uh, also a writer. And he, for a few years, he was on uh, had a TV show on uh, Comedy Central with Fred Willard. But he says um, he wanted to ask about. And I'm going to read through this. He has—I guess while he's been waiting for me to say this, you know—he had some more uh, comments, questions. Want to know if you like Iceberg Slim? Yeah, you know, who your influences are? Do you? Does he like Iceberg Slim and Donald Goins and William Mosley and those guys? Uh, what does he? What do you think? Uh, well, Black Panther and superheroes like Luke Green and Black Lightning. Also, he wanted to ask you about urban crime fiction writers: uh, George Pelicanos, Richard Price, Dennis Lehane, Chester Himes, and uh, I think the last one. He wants to know if Ralph Ellison was a major influence of yours, or and or Samuel Delaney. Oh man, he's all you over the place. My listeners are very interesting yeah. and fascinating people. They, yeah, they'll. Out of all the writers that he mentioned on there, um, I have not read all of them. I've read Goins, I've read Walter Mosley, um, I've read uh, Ralph Ellison, Invisible Man, which is like one of the best books I ever read in my life. Um, oh, wow. Because it, 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 um, it is the best explanation of, um, the, I guess, the, the the situation of a black of black people during the time when Ralph Ellison wrote it. And when I read that mm-hmm. book, I was just like, "Oh man, this book is just amazing." Um, I, I just I told every after I read, I told everybody I knew, "Man, you need to read this book. You need to read this book." It's all yeah. And um, yeah. and, so, and and uh, I read. Um, I'm not much into, and a lot of my friends get mad. I'm not much of a comic book fan. Um, I was a comic book fan by association because two of my best friends were big comic book fans, and they had a <laughs> big collections. So everything I knew about comic books, I knew through them. Um, yeah. I was I was aware of Black Lightning, I was aware of Black Panther, but I wasn't really into the comic books as much as I was into the science fiction, you know, books when I got into college, that kind of thing. Because up until college, I was basically reading um, reading uh, nonfiction. One of the writers that he didn't mention that probably also had a big influence on me was James Baldwin. Um, I read, I read, some, yeah, I read some James Baldwin when I was in high school. It's a story behind it. I was, I got food poisoning when I was in high school, and I had to sit out of, out of school for a week. And my sister was a big reader. She read a lot of black fiction, and she just dropped all her books on me. She said, "Here, you out of school, read these." And it was like Langston Hughes, James Baldwin, people mm-hmm. like that. And, and I really liked James Baldwin because I liked the way he was able to describe things with very few words. And yeah. he would paint these pictures, and and that's what I strive for in my style when I write. I say, you know, this is this guy writes perfectly. This is what I like, you know. So I try to do the same thing when I write. So I, I say he probably had the biggest influence on me as far as um, my writing style um, because of the books that I read by him. Um, so you know, it's it's a wide variety of different influences. Uh, a lot of my science fiction really comes from uh, some of the classic writers. Um, I read. I've read Delaney. Delaney is a hard read. <laughs> he's he's a he's a hard read. You have to really be dedicated to read Delaney's work. It's good, but um, he has so many things going on that um, God, when yeah. you read his book, when you read his book, sometimes you have to sit there and think a little bit and say, maybe I need to read this again. I don't think I got everything out of it. I'll think about it. So it's a it's a number of different you know influences that you know that come into what I what I read and what I've been reading and stuff you know so um, um, each one of them has a little like a difference. Uh, some of friends of mine are more influenced by some of the other writers than others, um, uh, like Iceberg Slim and, and and some of the other writers like that. Um, um, but I've never read I've never read I've 
I've read, I've heard of Iceberg Slim, and his stuff is very popular. When you start talking about inner city fiction and different things like that, right. um, but I haven't read, I haven't read a lot of them. Yeah, I've read a lot of all of them, Iceberg Slim, Donald Coins, all of them, and um, I, I guess it was in phases of my life. I think as I was mm-hmm. introduced to to different authors like that. I remember being really young when I started reading um, those books, and I was kind of introduced to another part of life that I actually didn't know existed. So mm-hmm. it yeah. opened my mind to, wow, this really happens? Like, you know, and I, I'm from Georgia. I'm from the very rural part of Georgia. <laughs> the city <laughs> life was very not in my in my life. <laughs> I'm from Columbus, I'm from Columbus, Georgia, and um, okay. I got I got the same experience, but I got it through nonfiction. Like when we were, um, one of the books that I read coming up was uh, called by Claude Brown. It was called Man, Child, in the Promised Land, and mm-hmm. it, it was about a, a guy who grew up in the projects, you know, grew up in the hood, and he talked about his experiences. I think it was um, during one of the uh, riots in Detroit or something like that, and he was, I was reading all these stories, and plus when we were in um, in school, in um, middle school, uh, we had to read this book called The Vice Lords, which was about, yeah. it was actually a nonfiction book about the, this gang in Chicago called The Vice Lords and stuff, you know. So oh, I, was reading, I, was, I was reading about stuff like that, but I was reading it from a nonfiction standpoint. Um, again, yeah. I grew up in Columbus, Georgia, small city, you know, um, yeah. you know, living in the suburbs, military family, you know, you had to be in the house when the street light came in. Exactly, me <laughs> too. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, so oh, seeing that, you know, seeing that aspect of it kind of came from like, like you say, from reading and stuff. Right, exactly. Yeah, I was able to live a different life, kind of like even through sci-fi and through that. My parents actually opened our minds up to the possibilities of of there is more. Just never mm-hmm. just settle for this part. There is more to learn. And my mom, she now they listen more to ebooks a lot. My mom just got back into reading. She suffered a stroke and, and she actually kind of got out of reading for a few years, but she's back into it. But oh my God, they listen to ebooks every single day. Yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. yep. I know a lot of friends of mine that they, they, they do that as well because, you know, when we're having traffic. You know, you're in the traffic for about two or three hours. You might as well listen to a book. <laughs> right. I mean, audio oh, yeah, books. I That's think. what I mean, audio books. I'm sorry, I said yeah. e-books. Audio books. Yeah, they listen to audio books all the time. That's what I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it translated. Yeah. We knew what you meant, Kenya. Yeah, I did the same okay, thing. I thank when book. When there was book radio on Sirius XM for a while, that was great, but not. But yeah, you know, I'm on the road a lot. I love e-books. Are how many of your books are in audio books? Um, see, I, I have I have I have not dipped my toe into that yet. I've been talking about it and, and thinking about doing it, um, um, yeah. but I haven't done it yet. I haven't done it yet. That's uh, something. Since I do, you know, since I self-publish, um, a lot of a lot what that keeps me back from keeps me holds me back from doing a lot of stuff is that I'm looking at the cost of it. You know, right. so I'm trying to right. I'm trying well, to find an economical way to do it. You know. Definitely. Well, I think we need to, to, to fire him up a little bit, maybe threaten him a little bit, Kenya. How about this? If you don't do it, Artie, if you don't have one made, we'll do one, and you know you don't want my accent on there. So. <laughs> you, don't, you don't know now. I got, I got a couple of my stories that actually take place in the South, so you would be perfect. <laughs> All right, listen. Between me and Kenya both, we'll cover the, we'll cover the stories for you. We'll go ahead and do I a story. Send it to you. Hey. Yeah. Yeah. I, I got some you might not recognize it when it gets back. Yeah, I've got some stories that you can throw some yeah. y'all and, and mama news and fixing and fixing too. And all that <laughs> well, I'm fixing to get my spear, okay? So. Okay, there you go. <laughs> I'm can I tell you something, Milton? Yes. Milton, can I tell you something? I yes. love how much you love what you do. I can hear that you you live this stuff. That is amazing to me for somebody who actually hadn't been doing this your whole life. You picked it up in college. Yeah, Most people I mean, who love this, the kids. Yeah, yeah. 
I mean, it's fun. I mean, it's it's it's, it's fun to write and to. Um, I mean, I like the whole process. I like creating the stories. I actually like building the books. I like picking out my cover artists. You know, it's just wow. the whole process. And that's one reason that I, I tell people I'll always be indie because I just like the whole process. I like, you know, taking it through the whole process and then having that book in your hand, knowing that, you know, you put you work with people and you put all that together and stuff. And as soon as you get that book done, you say, okay, let's do the next book. You know, that kind of thing. So, <laughs> you know, I tell you, I celebrate for 10 seconds and I say, okay, it's time to do the next book. You know, I got to say, it's fun, man. That is cool. Hey. I, I, I'm looking forward to reading and you know what we are, this has been so much fun and we are going to definitely I'm going to be sharing uh links to where you can buy Milton Davis's books on um on all of my social media on Facebook and on Instagram and and everywhere else I've got Twitter uh Tumblr I'll be sharing cool. it everywhere Milton and anything you've got coming up anything we could do we would love for you to come back sometime Oh I'd be yes, I'd be yes, happy to be yes. back again. I just have to watch the bees the next time. I think I'll be. <laughs> Wait, watch the what? Watch the, the bees. bees. Coming through. <laughs> but see, you're good now. You know the bees are there. So now. <laughs> yeah. I'll wear a bicycle helmet the next time. We're doing this. <laughs> exactly. social media. It, we just wish you all the success in the world. You certainly deserve it, and your books are fantastic, and we just are so proud uh, to have you spend this much time with here at Madam Perry's Salon. Just thank you so much. And, uh, thank you. Oh, and by the way, folks, if, do, do you like MST 3000, Mystery Science Theater, Milton? Um, I'm not familiar with that. I'm not familiar with it. Oh, my goodness. Oh, dear. Okay. Mystery Science Theater 3000. Uh, well, one of the uh, writers for Mystery Science Theater, or MST 3K, is going to be my guest uh, here we, in next week, uh, Larry Johnson. Mm-hmm. And it's where the three guys, it's Frank Conniff and Trace Ballou, who both do a lot of stand-up now, and they're on uh, Series X and a lot. They, it's like them and some robots are watching a movie, and they're riffing on the movie. Oh, okay, yeah, I know you're talking about that. Yeah, I need to check that out. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's hilarious. Well, like I said, one of the writers, Larry Johnson, lives in Atlanta, so he does this at a, a theater in Atlanta uh, once a month. And But he's going to be my guest week, uh, next week. And um, and don't forget, Monday night we had Paul Myers, and uh, we were talking about his books, uh, A Wizard of True Star, Todd Rundgren in the Studio, and I'm telling this to you and the audience um, also, uh, it ain't easy. Long John Baldwin, the birth of the British blues. Um, he's also uh, bare naked ladies, uh, public stunts, private stories, and he's also got a, a new book coming out in the fall about the the remember the comedy troupe, the Kids in the Hall, mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, from Canada called and it's called One Dumb Guy, and uh, mm-hmm. so that's already on pre-order for release in October. We'll be sharing that. So hey, Kenya. It must be you. Yes. It must be you that brings the magic that I get so many cool people on the podcast here in Madam Perry's salon. I'm just happy to be along for the ride. I'm just happy. I'm happy to have you here. Can I ask Milton one more question? Milton, okay, so yes. I need to ship some books to my parents, but they're in Panama. Do you uh-huh. ship out of the country? Can you ship uh, it? Yes. I do ship okay, out of the country, can, um, so we can uh, we can talk about that. Okay, definitely. Good. I'll get with okay. you. I promise. I promise. Okay. Great. <laughs> All right. Fantastic. 
thank you to Becky Kyle for introducing me to Milton. Thank you for Duffy Ellerton for messaging in your questions. Of course, always all the love in the world to my BFF, Queen Diva Kenya Colbert, who will soon be back I'm on the here. air with Love Wins. <laughs> and hey, you're getting married. You need to make sure your wedding, your uh, your union is officially blessed. Uh, you're going to want to get Reverend I'm Kenya here. to officiate your wedding for you. <laughs> and, uh, you know, or... Say you're already married and you want to have a, what is it, renewal of vows. My husband always says, "What does that mean that they're um, do they expire or something?" Um, call Kenya. So yeah. anyway, and don't forget, Milton Davis, we love you, and you know I love everybody. Thank you for listening, and uh, and you know what I say, everybody's got to swing. Goodbye. I love you so much. Bye, guys. Bye. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.